You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. simply means turning back, turning to, changing direction. Instead of going the way of the backsliding, go the way of the Lord. Instead of going the way of the world, go back to the Lord and you'll find him with open arms. It's what David found. This is what David found. David had to leave everything. He had to leave his mother, his father, his brothers, his sisters. He had to leave his beloved friend, Jonathan. And he had to run for his life from the king's presence. But the fear of Saul, the king, replaced his fear of the Lord, and he fell on his face. When God calls you to repent, he's calling you to realize you are going the wrong direction and to turn around and go the correct path. Today, Pastor Dave will be challenging you to evaluate your walk with the Lord and to see if there are any areas that may require you to change direction. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 as he begins his message. As David hides in a cave, Saul murders a priest. You are The only thing I can say as we move into chapter 22, that David's life up until this point has been somewhat of a roller coaster. He's gone from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, back to the highest of highs. He's up and down constantly. He went from watching over sheep to being anointed king of all Israel by God and being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit come upon him for power. He went from obscurity, a lowly shepherd boy, dissed by his, son, by his uh, father, dissed by his older brothers, not even cared for, to becoming a national hero as he killed the giant Goliath. He went from a mighty warrior to a man now wanted for treason against King Saul. He went from a prominent figure in the king's court to an outcast and was hunted like a criminal. And in the interim, he found time to get married. He married one of the king's daughters. But through it all, through it all, highs, lows, middle point, all of it, the Lord was with David. The Lord was with David every step of the way. And even though he had a brief and very intense period of backsliding that we read about last week, he dramatically returned to the Lord. And the Lord once again delivered him from life-threatening situations. The Lord does that to us. The Lord does that to us. You may have a dramatic backslide in your life. You may have a dramatic fall. But if we would just get ourselves up, turn back to the Lord, repent simply means turning back, turning to, changing direction. Instead of going the way of the backsliding, go the way of the Lord. Instead of going the way of the world, go back to the Lord and you'll find him with open arms. It's what David found. This is what David found. David had to leave everything. He had to leave his mother, his father, his brothers, his sisters. He had to leave his beloved friend, Jonathan. And he had to run for his life from the king's presence. But the fear of Saul, the king, replaced his fear of the Lord and he fell on his face. He sought protection in the tabernacle, which was good. He sought the Lord's face through the priest Ahimelech. 
The priest fed David with the showbread that was only supposed to be given to priests. And he gave to David the sword of Goliath for protection. But all this was observed by an Edomite by the name of Doeg. And he was Saul's servant. And this would come back to haunt David immensely. This would come back to really haunt David. Now as we completed chapter 21, you remember David goes to the city of Gath. Of all places to go, he goes to the city of Gath. Gath was the hometown of Goliath. David had killed Goliath, and now he goes back to Gath. I don't know what he was thinking. See, sometimes when we're in those situations, we don't act rationally. We don't act thinking. David didn't seek the Lord, and where shall I go? He runs to Gath, and he gets to Goliath's hometown, and the king's going, what is this guy, crazy? We're going to take him out. So David starts to act like a madman, drooling from the mouth and stuttering and all over himself. And they go, this guy's mad. Let's get rid of him. Throughout this tumultuous time in David's life, we said last week, the Lord worked it together for good, not only for David, but for us. Because during this time of David's life, no less than 23 Psalms were written. 23 Psalms were written during this tumultuous time in David's life. He wrote these Psalms, and thousands of years later, we read them. And I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged to the hill. I am really lifted up when I read these Psalms, and I see what David went through, and I see the honesty that he has before the Lord. And it's like, wow, and I'm encouraged, and I'm lifted up high, and the Lord ministers to, ministers to me through these Psalms. So thousands of years later, God now working this together for good. He reads psalm after psalm after psalm. And we can read these and be encouraged. And we can be strengthened in our time of troubles. Yes, David had many troubles. And this wasn't the last time David's troubles follow him around. But remember, David was special. What made David special? He was a man after God's own heart. David was always a man after God's own heart. And that made David special. Yes, he was fallible. He had many faults. He will fall mightily in many ways, even as king. And we'll study that when we get to 2 Samuel. He will fall. He will do things that will cost him dearly, that will haunt him the rest of his life. But he knew the consequences, and he accepted the consequences. And he asked God to forgive his sin. God forgave him and still called him a man after his heart. A man after God's own heart. Oh, my. Thank you, Lord, is right. To have an example like David. To have an example there. God doesn't sugarcoat it. You know what? I think we said this last week. I don't know if it's in my notes this week. I can't remember. David is talked about more in the New Testament, or more in the entire Bible than any other man. There's no other man talk as much as David in the Bible. When they want to use an example... Jesus used David several times as an example. We talked about one last week with the showbread. So we come to chapter 22. David leaves Gath and he goes to a cave of Adullam. Adullam. Let's read 22.1a. David, therefore, why? Because of all the stuff that we just talked about, the therefore, you have to know what it's there for. The therefore, David left and departed from there, which was Gath, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. This was David's place of refuge. And it's very, very interesting that Adullam means refuge. Adullam means refuge. David couldn't go to his house. He couldn't go home to mom and dad. He, he couldn't go home. He couldn't go to Samuel. 
He, he couldn't go to Jonathan, his beloved friend, and he couldn't go to the house of the Lord. He tried to go to the ungodly, and they wanted to kill him too. Where was he going to go? So he ran into a place of refuge, into a cave, a damp, dark cave. And he was in there. Imagine what it must have been like. David was all alone. He fleed for the very life of him. He had nowhere to turn, nowhere to hide. So he goes to this humble cave and finds refuge, a damp, dark place, a lonely place. It was a place of woe. It was a place where David would be his refuge. But he couldn't find refuge there because God was his refuge. God is a strong tower. We run into it and we are saved. We are safe. God is a strong tower. He's our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's all those things you can add up. Look through the Psalms. That's what God is to it. We run to God and we seek shelter from him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to shelter you like a hen shelters her chicks under her wings, Jesus said. Psalm 91, the shelter of God, the dwelling place of God, the secret place where we run into and we find peace and comfort. That's what David knew. We all want certain comforts in our lives. But the Lord knows that our faith doesn't grow in times of comfort. I have found that out all too well. Our faith does not grow in times of comfort. In fact, I venture to say that our faith slips in times of comfort. When we get too comfortable with the way things are going, we start to feel a little sure of ourselves when things are going real well. You remember the verse, and it came to pass. God knows that we have to be prepared for the next step that he's called us to. There are steps in our lives that God has ordained us to walk into and find out. God has prepared steps for you, for me. Maybe you haven't found out some of those steps. Maybe you don't know what the steps are tomorrow. Because he hasn't enlightened you with it or hasn't showed you. But he's preparing you for those steps. Remember, we said that these last ten years of David's life, the roller coaster was in preparation for him to be king. It was all preparation. Sometimes God uses the strangest and even the horrible things in our lives as preparation. Preparing us for what might come. Paul says he uses affliction to prepare us so that we can be ready to minister to someone else in the same affliction. Sometimes I want to be like Tevia. I want to be like Tevia in the, in, in the Fiddler on the Roof. When Tevia's walking down and his horse is lame, he says, God, I know we're the chosen people, but could you choose someone else for a change? You know, sometimes I feel that way. I feel that way. And sometimes you think, well, you know, he never gives us more than we can bear. Really? And you're like this, and you're being squeezed. Wait a minute. No, God prepares us in many different ways, and we don't have a choice in how we're going to be prepared. You know, when I went to school college back in the, before in a galaxy far, far away. When I went to school to become a school teacher, I had a preparation to become a school teacher. I went to college and they, they taught me how to be a teacher. But the preparation for the Christian life is life. You live it. You accept Jesus Christ. You have faith in him and you have faith that his blood covers your sins and you are clean and you move forward. And then you go through these periods of preparation for the next step and the next step. And then he calls some. He calls some out. And he calls us out. Then he prepares us. I told you that he called me out to be a pastor in 1993. He called me to be a pastor in 1993. But it wasn't until 2010 that he made that promise come true. 17 years of preparation. 
17 years of waiting upon him, trusting in him, getting to the point where, Lord, if this doesn't happen, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to praise you. It reminds me of facing the giants when they don't have children. And he's out in the field. And he says, Lord, if I never have a child, I will still trust in you as my God. Wow. Can you say that? If your greatest dream never comes true, can you say that you will trust in the Lord with all your heart, even though it might not come true? And the Lord decides to take your child home. Can you say, I will trust in you, even though I can't stand it? That's what he wants. That's what he wants. David was, thought he was all alone, but the Lord was with him in that dark place. The Lord was with him in that damp place. The Lord was always there in the times of our discouragement. He's always there to lift us up. We want these comforts, but he places us in situations. He places us in circumstances that the only thing we can rely on, the only thing we can trust in is him. We have to trust in him. There's no other way we can trust in anybody else. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I will trust in him and him alone. And he puts you in that place where you, you can't even scream. You have to trust in him. These are dark and lonely times. And they hurt and our hearts break. But his word takes root in our heart. As we read a psalm, it might take root in our heart. And it starts to blossom Pretty soon we're praising him. That's what David does. You read his Psalms. He starts out crying out, oh, Lord, you've left me. Where are you? Oh, my gosh, I'm hurting. Come on, these guys are going to kill me. And somewhere in the middle of the Psalm, it goes, oh, Lord, you're so great. You're so wonderful. I love you. And he goes on to this beautiful thing. But he gets it all out first. He gets it all out, and God hears him. You might be in a cave tonight. You might be seeking refuge from the storm. And I'm not talking about any hurricane or anything like that. I'm talking about the storm of lives. Take courage, my brothers and sisters. God is with you. God knows what has befallen you, and God has a plan for each of you. Be encouraged, my brothers and sisters, that God will accomplish the work that he began in you. He will accomplish that work. Be comforted and know that God has not forsaken you. He's at work mightily, even if you do not feel it. Even if you are in a place of desperate need and hurt and want, and you don't feel that, know that God is ever working for you. Know that every thought of him towards you is love and love alone. Know that because it doesn't matter how we feel, does it? doesn't matter. What matters is him. Be comforted. He's at work in those places. And he, you know, in those times, that's when he does his best work. That's when he does his best work, when all you can do is cry out, Lord, help me. Oh, he loves that prayer. He loves that prayer. Lord, help me. He loves that prayer. And that might be all you can say. Sometimes all you can say is, Lord. It's a lonely and dark place. But in that lonely and dark cave, David was inspired to write two psalms. So Psalm 57 and Psalm 142. He wrote those two psalms. And as you read through Psalm 142, it's actually entitled, A Contemplation of David, A Prayer When He Was in the Cave. And Psalm 142 describes David's discouraged heart. He starts out by describing his discouraged heart. Psalm 57 reads, A Mitchum of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. And Psalm 57 describes David when the Lord strengthens him in the cave and prepares him for what's next. David writes these songs down, these psalms, which psalms are songs. He writes these downs so that we're in those dark places. We're in those times of need. When we're in those times of woe, when we're in those times of struggle, we can go to them. 
And we can see what David said by the Holy Spirit saying, write these words down. And David penning them in the midst. Your homework tonight, if you choose to accept it, is read those psalms. They're short psalms. They're very short psalms. But they're beautiful and wonderful. As I said, even as flawed as David was, he was mentioned more in Scripture than any other man, except, of course, for Jesus Christ. I believe it was because he was a man after God's heart. He was a man who pursued God. He was a man who sought hard after God's will. Are you seeking hard after God's will tonight? Are you seeking him with all your heart? I mean all of it, not just part of it. All of it. Have you surrendered everything you have to him? Given him everything in your life? Have you, as Mark said on Monday night, I loved it. Have you placed it on the altar? Have you placed all these things on the altar? Have you said, Lord, if this doesn't take place, I will still follow you? Because of this, the Lord sends him his family. Look at verse 1b. (laughs) See how far I went? So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there with him. His mom, his dad. This is the first time we hear mention of David's mother. They go down to be with him. His family came down. A precious gift from God gives him comfort in the arms of his parents. In the arms of his parents. And you know, I'll say this, folks, and I'm not ashamed to say it. There's comfort in the arms of our parents. There's comforts in the arms of our parents because the day my son passed away, the day I found him, I remember taking a shower and trying to clean myself up, and I came out, and I looked at my wife. My wife looked at me. She goes, what's wrong? I said, I want to call my mom and dad. But they are already with the Lord, so I couldn't call my mom and dad. But there's comfort with our parents. There's comfort in them. So David felt their comfort when they came. David, it's just great that his brothers came. Remember his brothers? Who hated him? What are you here for, you scrunt? Get out of here. His father wouldn't even call him out from the sheepfold when he presented the men to Samuel for king to choose who would be king. And now they're there with him. They're there with him in his time of trouble, his time of persecution. His brothers and fathers and mother are with him. They join him in the cave. And the and Lord also sends men. Look at verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. David sent God men. He sent unlikely men to them. Look at the description of the men he sends to them. In depth, discontented, in distress. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I, I couldn't help, folks. I couldn't help going there. I couldn't help going there. I said, what is David? Robin Hood? <laughs> Send him all these guys who are in distress. They're discontented, you know, and they're in debt. But as these men spend time with David, as these men spend time with David, we're going to read when we ever get the Chronicles, First Chronicle, they're called mighty men of valor. These men become mighty men of valor. Why? Because they're spending time with David. They're spending time with David. Likewise, gang, we too are in debt. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. It was called sin. We were distressed and are distressed because the world is chaotic and it's falling apart around us. And many of us are discontented with our life in the world. We were discontented. Nothing satisfies us. But the more we hang around with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the more we get to know Jesus, our life changes. Just like these men who changed their lives because they hung around with David. They hung around with him and they were no longer discontented. They were no longer distressed and they no longer owed a debt. Just like us. 
Our debt's been clean. It's been wiped away. Blood washed our debt away. The blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're discontented, woe is you because he paid for it all. How can you claim Jesus as your Savior and be discontent? It doesn't work that way. Beautiful. Jesus Christ, amazing things happen. When we hang around Jesus, guess what happens? We become more like him. We become more like Jesus. Isn't that what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18? Where we're going to be changed, and right now we see dimly in this mirror, but when we see him face to face, we're going to be changed into his image. The Holy Spirit is working in us, changing us to his image. It's the key to life. And I will tell you right now, everybody's looking for the key to the Christian life. Well, here's a simple one. Never see yourself separated from Christ. Never see yourself separated from Jesus Christ. Cling to him. Seek him in everything. Make him your identity. Make him your passion. Allow the Holy Spirit to captivate your heart and to do his job. The Holy Spirit's job is to conform you in the image of Jesus Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that. God surrounds us with people of his calling. He doesn't always call great and powerful people to be his servants, but he calls those who have a heart towards him. Those who are eager to obey him and those who want to follow his lead. This little group that God called would be the future of the nation Israel. When David became king, they would be the future of the nation Israel going forward. Because David would be king. Make no doubt about it. What God ordained would come true. David would be king of Israel. And as I said, in 1 Chronicles 12, 8, David described these men as mighty men of valor, men who were trained for battle, men who could handle a shield and a spear, and whose faces were like the faces of lions, and they were swift as gazelles on the mountains. That's how David described these guys. Wow. Because they were with David. What would describe us because we're like Jesus? We had compassion. We loved. We had caringness. We cared for people. We loved people. We were with Jesus. In verses 3 through 4a, Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for them. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. I didn't want to read that last, ver- that last part of it, but that's okay. David honors his mother and father, and seeks to protect them from King Saul's wrath. So he asked the king of Moab to take and give them a shelter. And even though the Moabites are very, very less favorable to the Jews, in fact, basically the Jews stuck their nose down at everybody. They don't like anybody. But the Moabs were some of those things. David has an in. Who can tell me why David has an in with the Moabites? Ruth is great-grandma. His great-grandma was Ruth. His great-grandpa was Boaz. Ruth was a Moabitess. So David had an in, and they took her in. They took him in. And in 4b, it says something about the stronghold. They dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. After David secured his parents, he goes back to Adullam, and his men moved into the stronghold, which is known as a fortress. You are sure. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.